Good morning and welcome to episode two of Leadership Untitled. Thank you so much for understanding. Last week, I was a little bit under the weather and so could not go live. That's one of the um, joys of having a live podcast is that it just depends on how I'm feeling and how I am looking as well. Today, I'm a couple of minutes late, and so I apologize for that. We are celebrating the birthday of our four-year-old today, and so that was how we started the morning. (laughs) I was hoping that perhaps she might sleep in since she went to bed a little bit later than usual, but here we are. She knew it was her birthday. She was up bright and early, so took some time to celebrate her. I want to talk about... um, all areas of leadership, especially from a female perspective. Um, There is no need to hide the parts of ourselves that mean sometimes the most to us and hopefully the most to us. Um, I've shared in the reason why I'm doing this podcast, why I am sharing my voice is because of my two girls and how they inspire me. So I will be sharing every now and again updates about them and what's going on in our lives because that is part of who makes me who I am and how I show up each and every day. So again, welcome to episode two of Leadership Untitled. Today, we are going to be talking about burnout or exploitation. We are jumping in to the conversation about the great resignation. And I'm just going to be looking over here for a second. Um, For those of you who are not, there we go. Um, For those of you who are listening to me, um, great. I'm also doing this podcast live on LinkedIn. So I'll be occasionally asking for comments and everything else. If you happen to be listening to this on any of your podcast um, distribution stations, I welcome you as well. And you can feel free to join us on LinkedIn Live every Wednesday. I will be changing the time. So we're going to get all of our announcements out of the way. I will be changing the time to Wednesdays at 9 a.m., not 7.30. Again, Wednesdays at 9 a.m. So, and of course, I'll be sharing more updates, sending out reminders so that you can be sure to join. And again, if you are joining this and uh, as a replay, I welcome you or listening on a podcast distribution station. I welcome you too. What is Leadership Untitled? Here on this podcast, we talk about how to refine your leadership skills, how to gain momentum in our careers, navigate corporate politics, While we discover the joy and confidence that we feel when we are giving our best at work and how that feeling manifests itself in other areas of our lives, you are all welcome here. My focus is speaking to you, to those of you who are Black women and women of color especially, and I've shared in other podcasts um, why that is a focus of for me and why that is important. And so please feel free to check out episode one if you missed it. Let's jump in and talk about it. I've got my notes here because there is a lot to share about the great resignation. There was 
no way that I was not going to be able to address it just because it continues to have such a significant impact on our economy here in the United States, on our supply chain, um, and likely affecting and having a ripple effect throughout the world. So the stats that I will be sharing through this podcast all have to do with the United States. So as a leader, we are here to talk about it from a leadership perspective. I have done a lot of reading, a lot of watching um, videos, and truly trying to get a perspective that uh, I will add my own as well, but trying to get a full picture on the actionable steps that we can take as leaders. So towards the end, I'll be sharing three, maybe four steps on how what you can do, what my recommendations are for you as a leader who is trying to gain that momentum in your career, navigate corporate politics, how you can make strides in the great resignation and be sure that you have the team members and the resources that you need in order to accomplish your goals and assist with moving the organization's vision, mission, and message forward. So if you are here, I would love to know how many people have not been affected by the great resignation. As I have been talking to colleagues, I have heard more and more how the great resignation, the loss of team members who are resigning in significant numbers have impacted them, but on the flip side, how they have not also been able to fill those positions as well. So it is two major, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Two major shifts that have happened that have resulted in a lot of open positions that are unfilled and creating what what experts are calling an uh, an employee favorable job search market. And that is something that we haven't seen truly in a very long time, or I as a leader in my years of experience have not seen this employee-based, positive-based job search market. And so what does that mean? How how has that affected us? So before we jump in, of course, I want to give some stats about the great resignation. What we have seen with COVID last year, quarantine, um, remote work has shifted into, of course, 2021 with employees resigning in significant numbers. And what the experts have said is that it was definitely related to unemployment benefits and that once unemployment benefits ran out or decreased, for sure, there would be a resurgence in employees coming back to the workforce, realizing that there is no choice. This is the way that work happens. And so they would be coming back in droves. We are here in November of 2021. Actually, it's December. It's December 1st. So we are here in December and the trend has not let go. And in fact, in August, there was the highest number of voluntary resignations yet 4.3 million Americans voluntarily left the job force in August, continuing to baffle experts, baffle leaders, because unemployment benefits have run out or have been significantly decreased. 
And that has not worked to return the workforce to complete applications, come and fill open positions. And why is that? We have heard over and over again the lazy narrative, which has been incredibly frustrating for me to hear uh, because there are so many people who are working diligently for very little pay um, and or pay that at least isn't enough to allow them to work one job, um, oftentimes working two and three jobs. And for some of these people, that's where a lot of the resignations have been occurring is at that lower end of a pay scale. They have said enough. And so labeling them as lazy is to me disrespectful and shades and doesn't truly take a meaningful and true constructive look at the situation. The second one is that employees have turned greedy. They recognize the market. They see that they have power in being able to negotiate for positions that have been open for months and months and companies are feeling the pressure of filling those positions. And so employees then are now greedy. Um, I've heard it said by some leaders, I feel like team members are wanting to or candidates are wanting to work 20 hours for a billion dollars. And of course, that's a significant exaggeration and also doesn't tell the full story. The third reason that we have heard and what is the topic of today is burnout. Um, part of the topic of today is burnout, that employees have realized with remote work, the lack of the the lack of corporate politics that they have had to navigate, the ability to show up to work remotely, but to be themselves fully authentically, and realizing how not being able to be themselves, um, having to put up walls and barriers, especially for people of color with um, the subtle racism um, that they experience on a consistent and regular basis and realizing the toll on their mental health that they have said, enough is enough, I'm leaving. And so we have all tied those reasons into burnout. As I have listened to the experts from the leadership side, I've also spent a great deal of time reading articles, doing research, talking about the perspective um, of employees, so the perspective from the employee um, from the employee side, and why they are leaving. Because as this conversation happens, truly, this is one that can't happen from just a leadership expert um, top down view. We have to see what our employees saying, and that, and that is actually one of my tips. So sneak peek, um, that is one of the tips that, or spoiler alert, that's one of the tips that's coming up. But employees are saying just those reasons that I said, wanting to be fully authentic, wanting to feel that they have truly a role in their organization, that they're not a cog in the wheel. They want to be communicated to. They want to feel as though their presence, their work has value and matters. They want and are seeking balance. They recognize that the 
10 o'clock at night text messages and emails, the five o'clock in the morning text messages and emails and meetings that go until well past the usual work hours, but on a regular and consistent basis, no longer feeds the balance that they are needing. And they are saying that that enough is enough. I had a quote and uh, sorry, I let me just look it up here. Um, while I'm talking, the quote on exploitation um, versus burnout, I, as I saw it, it was actually um, one of my husband's um, friends on Facebook who posted it, and then he shared it with me, and it was just so incredibly powerful and meaningful, and it is actually what prompted me to have this conversation this morning. And I apologize. I meant to have it up ready to go for this moment right now. This is real life. This is part of the beauty of live. (laughs) So thank you all very much for your patience here as I search for it. I'm going to give myself another couple of minutes another couple of seconds, not minutes, and then I am going to move on. Am I moving on? There we go. I found it. So this is from a lady, a woman called Maggie. I truly cannot appropriately pronounce her name, and so I will share her full first name and last name. I will update the post so that I can give full credit to her. But she said, why I prefer to use the term exploitation over burnout. Burnout makes it about worker feelings. Exploitation draws our attention to employer practices and policies which require structural solutions. We're going to jump into that, but I want to set the tone as I just shared that reason for burnout. And I'll read it again. Why I prefer using the term exploitation over burnout. Burnout makes it about worker feelings. Exploitation draws our attention to employer practices and policies which require structural solutions. Now, one of the missing components that I have felt and haven't read a lot about, I had to go seeking for this information about the reason why also we have so many open jobs as we talk about the great resignation. And I know that this is not a voluntary exit of the workplace, but part of why there is such a vacuum of open, a a vacuum of employees and open positions have proliferated is related to the loss of life from COVID. And again, this is death. It's not voluntary leaving a work, but it should be part of the conversation because there have been so many deaths and not all of them have been workers. But when we are talking about um, just over a quarter of a million deaths here in the United States, a significant portion of those people were likely those who were working. And as I went to do and pull the stats, um, these are just rough stats looking at the deaths from ages 18 through to 65. So again, that's just based on general retirement. And of course, some people were a work 
older, younger than eight, younger than 18 and older than 65, but we're looking at at least 200,000 people who have died and who were likely in the workforce, which also contributes to that feeling, can contribute to that feeling of burnout from those employees who are left helping to fill those duties, helping to fill those responsibilities. So I do think it's important to honor those people who were contributing and who lost their lives due to in this pandemic and also recognizing the negative impacts that it has had on the team members who are left one from a my coworker is no longer here on this on this earth and what has been done to help support those um, coworkers who have lost um, team members and then also to um, talking about filling those roles and filling those responsibilities. Because often what happens, whether it is through death or whether it is through resignation, to make it through that time until a position can be filled, that work still needs to get done. And so it is either all, all the tasks and duties are put on one person or it is divvied out across the rest of the team. And truly, it never, that work never completely disappears. And we've all been there, whether we are leaders or team members watch, listening, we have all been there before, where the work just never seems to go away, That it, those additional duties. And also, often it comes without compensation. So, how should we react as leaders? What are we here to do? And how can we help to ensure that, again, our company's mission, vision, and message is executed with excellence, but that we are also caring for our team members? One is acknowledging, how do we contribute? When I read that quote about burnout, putting the, bur the burden on the worker's feeling, as opposed to exploitation, truly addressing the structural issues that happen, I felt it in my gut as a leader. I consider myself someone who has a high emotional EQ, who serves from a leader, from a servant leadership perspective, who leads with compassion. But I recognize when I read that, that there, of course, are habits that come from tradition, from structure, from processes, policies, procedures that I have perpetuated some of the behaviors that have led to, oh, it's hard to say, but the exploitation that leads to employees feeling stressed and overly stressed and missing balance in their lives. So first it's acknowledging ourselves. I want to be sure that we as leaders recognize our behavior and don't just fall into the trap of this is how it's done and be sure that we see what we can do. It doesn't have to be complicated. We don't have to change the world. We just have to change our behavior and see how it goes and share our results when we know what it is that we're doing has worked and the positive results or share that it hasn't worked and so we add more to that pool of meaning, the pool of understanding. So keeping it simple, one of the things that I used to do is I used to leave work. And for those of you who use Slack, always available, always, always there. I would leave work 
And then maybe a couple, two, three hours later, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, I would be in Slack, up answering people's questions, asking questions myself. And I know that there are some of my team members who are always on, they always have their notifications going on. So they would answer me. And I did not want them to feel like they needed to answer me just because I had adjusted my day in a certain way. So then I started to add in front of those statements um, or in front of my questions, this is for tomorrow or any request, this is for tomorrow. But I still knew that there were team members who would answer no matter what or who would do the work no matter what. And I took responsibility for that in two ways. One, I can't ask my employees to live a more balanced life, to get off of email, to log out of Slack, to do whatever, if I myself am not setting that example. And so that was the first thing. And plus, it's unhealthy for me too. But uh, but that was the first thing is recognizing that I need to set the example. Team members will likely rise to the occasion of seeing their leader work late, be super stressed, always, you know, never taking a break, never taking lunch. So set the example. That's the first thing. Set the example. So while I would perhaps write down in my notebook <laughs> what I wanted to say, because things do come to your mind at odd times of the day and the night, so I would write it down, or I used the great um, note to self in Slack to be sure that I was just writing my requests down. And then I discovered that Slack has an incredible feature where you can, well, they actually added it, um, where you can pre-schedule a post. And that helped me immensely. So I would be able to write my request in, write my response, write um, a question back and schedule it for the next morning at 8 or 8.30 or 9 o'clock. Doing these simple, making these simple changes, one, helps your team members to relax, to feel that they don't have to always be on, always be ready to answer because you are respecting their time. The burden should not be on our team members to set their boundaries for balance in life. Leaders, that is our responsibility. And if there's one thing that the great, the great exploitation, the great resignation is teaching us is that it is our responsibility to not just say, you have to be at work at nine o'clock. You have to be here in office and not remote at this time. You have to um, request your vacation off. You have to let me know a certain number of days um, in advance before you're going to be off. This is the way that we report this. This is the way that we do that. It is not just our responsibility to enforce those types of policies and procedures, but we need to have policies and procedures that set boundaries for the organization and how we communicate with our team members. That should be a policy. And it's disturbing to me that we have countries who are now having to enforce laws so that companies act appropriately and don't text their team members after five o'clock or six o'clock. We should know better as leaders. And I'm guilty of this too. Believe me, where you think something's important, you send out a text, and you're just like, oh, I didn't need to send that text. Every time that your team member receives a text after hours, it's considered an emergency. 
So putting simple changes, affecting simple changes, like not having any communication after whatever time is appropriate. And this is for the bulk of industries. Of course, there's going to be exceptions. There's healthcare, which I worked in for, you know, over a decade. There's always going to be exceptions. But even in those exceptions, even in those industries, I ask you to truly stop and think about what boundaries can you set from an organizational perspective that removes the load of setting boundaries from the worker's perspective. In the general employer-employee relationship, it is the employer who has the power. So setting the expectation that employees need to push back on us as leaders is also unfair. And saying, well, it's their responsibility that they're feeling stressed out. They should have said something. Would you feel comfortable saying something? And if you thought that perhaps your job might be affected, if you felt that perhaps somehow you might be penalized because someone else is willing to accept those text messages and emails. So it is up to the power broker, which is the employer, to set those boundaries. And I can't stress it enough. It is something that I'm so passionate about in terms of being sure that we treat our employees with respect and remove that burden from them and take it on ourselves and create those policies that say how it is appropriate for us to communicate with our team members and then hold our leaders to it. Because then when an emergency happens or something happens where you need to text them or you need to email them or they're having to stay later than usual, it is for a reason and a purpose and not an everyday occurrence. The other part of that is, as as I mentioned, we enforce so many things on their end. We don't enforce things like you need to take a break during the day, right? Especially for our salaried team members. For hourly team members, there are a lot of laws in many states that talk about the times when they need to take a break. And so those are heavily enforced because there is a consequence when an organization doesn't do that. There are laws. There can be lawsuits. There can be fines. There's a financial burden that can happen to an organization. So, of course, as leaders, we ensure that that does not happen. But are we doing the same due diligence for our salaried team members? Are we ensuring that they are taking breaks and truly not just paying lip service to it? And what I mean by lip service, of course, is be sure you're taking a break. Did you take a break today? Oh, no. Well, I had a lot of stuff. Well, be sure that you're taking a break. I want you to truly enforce that time is taken, whatever that is for your um, organization. If it's 30 minutes, if it's 30 minutes, if it's one hour and working with your team to be sure that you have the appropriate coverage when people go for lunch but ensuring that you are spending as much time enforcing that lunch break as you are with all team members, whether they are hourly or salaried. It is those mental health breaks during the day that help to set the boundaries from an organizational perspective. Are you enforcing vacation? Do you have a team member that has 3,000 hours of vacation because they have never taken vacation in three to four years. 
you know, the rollout and payout of vacation time is very attractive to team members. Um, and a lot of places that I have worked with have allowed that opportunity at the end of the year where you can take some of your accrued PTO time and cash it out, especially beneficial for some team members around the holidays. But let's truly look at that. One, why are our team members feeling that they need to cash out their PTO in order to have additional cash at the holidays? Some of that, of course, can be attributed to um, perhaps they need to budget better or they are budgeting better and this is part of their savings plan. Who knows? But I also can tell you that so many of my team members in the past, having worked having led food service teams that the pay is so low that this is part of their compensation plan to ensure that they are just living. And when you have a system where they are just living and looking forward to that cash out at the end of the year, they're not taking that vacation time because that's part of their plan for cash. So then you've got an employee who's just working and working and working and never taking days off outside of their two days that they get off, but never taking extended vacation time. And there's so much research that shows it takes, you know, at least two days to relax from your job to truly get into that mindset of I'm away and I'm taking a break and truly allowing that mental relaxation. So it is key that we are providing that time and ensuring that our employees are paid enough. That is part of the conversation. It is not greedy to say that there needs to be an examination of salary and compensation, but that they are paid enough that they can feel that they can take their PTO time and not have to save it for cash out. If that's not the situation where you are, then being sure that your team members are taking vacation time and that there are structures in place that allow them to truly step back and not just work 10 minutes or five minutes every day of their vacation because there's no one else to fill their role. That is our job. It is not the team member's burden to carry. So that was my first tip. <laughs> one. Check ourselves as leaders. Check yourself as a leader. What habits, what structures, what policies do we need to look at? Simple habits do we need to change in order to remove the burden of boundary setting from the worker, to remove the blame of they just don't know how to manage their day. They're feeling stressed. It is their mental health issue without putting the burden of recognizing the structures, policies, and procedures that have been in place to create that situation. The second one is let's reopen our change management books, our textbooks, our courses. How many of us have gone through change management um, organization-sponsored classes where experts come in, leadership coaches come in and talk to us as leaders about how to push change down and talk to our employees about how to accept change. We're seeing that flip right now. And it's uncomfortable for us as leaders. It's uncomfortable for organizations that employees are now the ones who are saying, we are making a change. 
And as organizations, we are not doing a good job handling this change. Again, going back to blaming the employees, you're lazy, you're greedy, they're burnt out, they don't know how to handle this work environment that that is that is what they should be able to handle. They should be able to handle calls, work at all times of the hour and that stress level that continues to rise. So we as organizations are not handling change management well. So we need to flip and take courses Take review our our past courses, our past textbooks about how to accept change and not just any longer looking at it from the fact that as leaders, we push change down. The employee-employer relationship is a two-way street. And finally, after 2020 um, and going into 2021, employers employees have realized that. It is a two-way relationship. Yes, you pay me, but I also do work. It is a contractual relationship where both sides are to benefit. And if one side gets the bulk of the benefit, it becomes unbalanced. This truly was a situation, is an industry, like work was so ripe for disruption. And that's what we are seeing. Employees are saying, no, thank you and goodbye. So what do we do? We have to learn how to adjust to change as leaders, change that we're not initiating, that our CEOs are not initiating, that the VPs are not initiating, but that our employees are initiating. How do we take that communication, share what we're learning back to leadership? How are we taking in this information that we are reading? All of us should be reading about the great resignation, should be diving into what is happening. That leads me into my third, sorry, one more point about that is looking at, again, those policies and those procedures. They all kind of feed into each other, these ways that we as leaders can react and get in front of this great resignation and take this opportunity to have and make true change and be at the forefront of what is happening. Because that is how you are going to attract talent and retain talent. So the third one we're jumping into is having meaningful conversations. It is the conversations that you need to have. So while you can read, while you can watch videos, while you can um, dive into the research, you need to also have conversations with your team members, the team members who are there. If you are a company who has been able to go through and not lose team members, let me tell you that is gold. There are so few industries that have been that have not been affected by the loss of team members voluntary through voluntary resignation, that you have something there. So talk to your team members. Don't be afraid to say, why are you still here? You want to find out why are they still here? What motivates them? But also find out why they might be considering another job. And that requires trust building. So if you have not been an employer who has or a leader who has had these conversations, understand it's going to take some time. It's going to take some creative ways to figure out how to find out 
what your teams are feeling, what your members are feeling. It can be anonymous. It could be starting with your supervisors, your managers, your directors, and starting and having those conversations and asking them to have conversations and then truly keeping it anonymous, not treating people differently based on the responses that they give, if they share their names, if they share what is happening, but instead having meaningful conversations to find out. And not just with your current team, but also as you are interviewing, recruiting talent, finding out what would be attractive to them. We are no longer in a one-size-fits-all environment. I think we've all recognized and can acknowledge that one size does not fit all. And we have seen that business can happen. Money can still be made in when people are in different situations, whether that is some people are remote, some people are in office, there's hybrid, but yet the organization moves forward. So let's truly talk about what does work for each individual employee. That takes time. I understand. But when you have 4.3 million Americans voluntarily leaving their jobs, the highest yet, then those conversations need to happen. One other interesting point that I um, came across just yesterday is, and another reason why team members may be leaving is to start their own businesses and having that conversation about addressing what is that creative outlet that an employee could be looking for. How can you use that entrepreneurial spirit that they may be feeling and giving them an outlet for that? What project could they be a part of? What new initiative could they spark? Having these conversations does not always mean compensa increased compensation. And I think from what I have heard from colleagues is that it's always, well, if I have this conversation, they're going to want more money. Well, one, you should be open to having that conversation and not allowing there to be a stigma around um, saying what is compensation looking like and making sure that you're doing market research, that your, um, your talent team or your people team is consistently making sure that your compensation is, is competitive. There's nothing wrong with that conversation. However, not all employees are looking for additional com compensation. They want to know that they are valued and often value is rooted in their compensation. But talk to your team members and see, do they want to be a part of an initiative, a new initiative? What ideas do they have? Meaningful conversation around the great resignation, around why people are leaving, but also why they stay, what would get them to stay is how you will have, how you will be effective as a leader. And that is our goal is to refine our leaderships. That is our leadership skills. That is one of our goals here on this podcast and of course in real life. So pitfalls that I want to talk about real quickly, as you're having these conversations with candidates, with your current team members, it is so important that you are sure that as you are bringing on new talent, that you are not creating situations of inequity, whether that is in compensation, whether that is in benefits, flexibility, resources, in a 
for lack of a better word, desperation to bring new team members on. Sometimes we can, yes, agree to these different things that is attractive to that person, but not realizing that our current team members would also love the ability to have access to those benefits, compensation, resources, and flexibility. So please be sure that you are avoiding that pitfall because in this situation, especially from this podcast, I never want to give advice that could potentially lead to inequitable environments. That is it. Let me know. Have you found ways? Have you had these discussions for meaningful discussions with your team members and found ways to overcome the resignation, overcome the the voluntary leave from your company? What have you done? What have you found? What has your research shown you? If you have loved this episode, please share it. Please be sure that you are talking about it. That's how you can help. And I would greatly appreciate it. You can right now find this podcast on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. And so I will share the links as well as the name of the quote that I read in the post once uh, once this is finished processing so that I can fully share um, all of the information that you need. I look forward to seeing you back here next Wednesday at 9 a.m. here live. Spread the word. I look forward to having more awesome, difficult conversations with you each and every week. Bye.